Hello, Monetization Nation. There are 3.5 billion social media users, which is about 45% of the world's population, according to Oberlo. That number is only growing. Social media is one of the best ways to reach our customers. In today's episode, Warren Whitlock and I discuss three of his secrets to using social media effectively. Warren Whitlock is a digital business development strategist. In 2008, he wrote the first book on Twitter and mobile marketing called Twitter Revolution, how social media and mobile marketing is changing the way we do business and marketing online. He was also named one of Forbes' top 10 social media power influencers. Warren helps businesses transform into a new way of doing business. His breakthrough strategies to integrate mobile marketing, public relations, and lead generation with conversions to return on investment for lifetime value have helped hundreds of businesses achieve rapid and continuing results in the marketing process. Tectonic shifts are constantly transforming the earth and business, causing destruction and huge growth opportunities. I'm Nathan William, the host of Monetization Nation, where we learn how to leverage business tectonic shifts to transform monetization. Thank you so much for joining us today, Warren, on the show. Ah, great to be here. So we like to start off by talking a little bit about passion. Can you tell us something that you are highly passionate about? One of the things I'm very passionate about is giving. Uh, if you don't give value for what you're doing, first of all, there's the the moral and you know, spiritual part of it that yes, you should be always in service to others, but putting that aside and just playing business and playing well-being of your own, you know, pers personal in a day-to-day -day basis, the more you give, the more you get. Um, and so much of business is taught in uh, dog eat dog world. We've got to, uh, you know, go kill the competition, et cetera, et cetera. I just learned that, you know, you don't have to do it that way. And it's a lot better when you've got people who are anxious to hear from you because of what what value they see you you have and what you've already given them. And reciprocity works. The more you give, the more you get. Yeah, definitely. It's human nature that when people do things for us, we naturally want to go do something back for them. And the best is Robert Cialdini wrote a book called Influence the, the Science of Persuasion. And Cialdini is CIA. L-B-I-N-I, -I. and greatest book of it. It's like the Bible for, um, for persuading people. It's got studies in it. I spent years collecting studies as a college professor. And he did it as thinking that it would be like a, at least when I interviewed him, this is how he explained it. He thought he would be hearing at least as much from people trying to battle consumer protection against persuasion as, the, you know, so what to do to, to keep you from, getting taken by the car dealer, that sort of thing. And he was amazed that most of the people who were interested were the practitioners. I said, yeah, we, we do. We treat this as you've got to learn this. If you're going to try to talk anybody into anything, you've got to study the science of persuasion. Um, and his very first example is reciprocity. Two people sitting in a, sitting in a you know, the college student who we're going to pay you some, a few bucks to come in and take a survey. And he did, he said that put the people in that situation, the control group was, they did it. And after a certain amount the shill would then say to, you know, the person that was paid to talk to the other person into something after talking for 10, 15 minutes would say, 
you want to buy uh, some raffle tickets. And, you know, I'm, I'm getting this contest. If you just buy a few, you could win a car. And on top of that, I'm going to get to, to win the prize as the best salesman and, you know, talk them into it. They did that. And then the same pitch, but five minutes before doing it, they said, hey, I'm going to go down the hall and get a soda. Do you want one? And uh, everybody said yes to that. And, and so the ROI on the can of soda was 10x the, the amount they spent on soda. And it was overall double the number of raffle tickets sold by doing that compared to the control group. And so that's a great thing. That shows reciprocity. And we normally think of that as I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. Well, that's just not how that reciprocity works. Let's imagine the same thing. We're sitting there in the same situation. And I say to you, hey, I got some raffle tickets I want to show you. But first, let me go get a soda. You want one? Most people are going to say no at that point uh, because they don't want the forced reciprocity. They're not looking for that. Reciprocity yeah. works, but it's more when you give without expectation of return. Yeah. And um, it's you got to let go of the control of, I better put a coupon code he's got to use or we'll, we'll run a sale and it's only available if I, you know, all that kind of stuff. All those tactics work. They help. They're all part of the persuasion process. But the very basic thing is, do I feel this person is giving me more value than, you know, whatever I'm going to pay him? And I like to think every business deal I go, I go in with thinking it's a waste of my time if I haven't shown where we should get a 10x return on what my client's investment is. Yeah. And, you know, what, like, why bother if it's not 10x? And sometimes it's 100x. Um, and, you know, get, yeah, if I go in and spend a few hours with somebody making $100,000 a week, I might be able to do a lot more than I get somebody who says, I'm just starting up and I'd like to. I'd like to be able to sell my widget. I'd like people to come to my blog. Can you help me? <laughs> I only have five dollars to spend. I, well, there's very little I can do there, uh, just because of the you know bandwidth and the cost of doing stuff. So I do have to, you know, hone in a little bit of you know I'm not going to give you a free hours of it, uh, hours advice just because you you're an anxious kid looking to learn. On the other hand, <laughs> I will give an hour for your podcast. Because I think then, you know, thousands of people could benefit. Yeah. And, and by the way, you'll put a link back to my website and my website stays popular. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how it works. And then, of course, I'll help you because I'll tell a million people to follow me about your, about this interview because it's going so well. <laughs> well, those are great points. Reciprocity and value are so important. We, we give value first, just in summary, we give value first without expecting anything in return. Um, and then it's human nature that people are going to be more open to, to want to give back to us. Right, that's, that's why a free estimate always is good. You know, it's, it's, it's something to do, but yeah. you've got to be careful with that. Definitely. All right, let's get into a little bit of storytelling here. Can you tell me uh, about the biggest failure or mistake you've made in your career and what you learned from it? there's been a lot of mistakes. I don't know about one, one that's the biggest, but the one I was just talking about the fact that when I had a, a small business, I was, we were selling used laser printers and what it was doesn't really matter. I was advertising and getting good return on my investment. I was on the internet when a lot of people weren't and people were calling, uh, you know, every day the phone would ring. We would package up our product and ship it across the country. 
used laser printers that cost 50 pounds. So it was costing a significant amount of money to send it. And I tried what I'd learned from my advertising days was, yeah, try offering a money back guarantee. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people are, are going to say, I'm going to buy because I can just dip it back in a week. But when they get it and it's okay, they're like, oh, well, you know, this may not be everything I want, but I'm not going to just return it. And so we offered to pay to have it shipped back. When we did that, we quadrupled our, our sales. And so I'm sitting there doing really wow. well. And I got into the testing. I would spend a dollar and make back six. Uh, and in profit, it was probably much three or four. Uh, so, you know, we'd sell something for every hundred dollars in sales. We had co hard cost of buying the equipment at 20 to 25%. And then we had some labor in that. And of course, we had to run an office and do the paperwork and all that kind of thing. So, but if I could spend, if 16% purchase price went to advertising, much, much higher than anybody would teach you what a, a CPA would say what an advertising percentage should be when they're doing your book. Actually, a good CPA would take a look and say, how much money are you making off of it? Oh, if you're doubling your money with every dollar you spend, you should spend more. But a lot of, you know, basic bookkeeping courses will tell you, you know, don't spend more than 5% on advertising. <laughs> and so, and the other thing was when you're running a small business, you, if you spend that money, that's money you're, that month that you're not taking home. It may build the market and get new leads and grow your business, but you've still got to think about what's left over. And so one part of that mistake was not paying attention to enough to give myself a salary and, you know, not consider a big day in sales as more money I could take. Uh, and, you know, or a low day in sales was work my butt off and get more tomorrow. And when I got more sophisticated and had a staff and a building and, you know, bills to pay, uh, taxes, um, you know, all those things that I, I more or less ignored because it was all about go make some more money and we can cure all the other problems. Uh, and, uh, and then I reached a point where we were doing it right. And I didn't go out and, and find a way to spend 10 times as much money. I'd spent more money than I had all the time. I financed a business on high interest credit cards over and over again. Uh, lots of little mistakes leading up to this. But so I had no fear of going and spending another, say, you know, $10,000 when I had been spending $10,000 a month, give it a try. Um, you know, I got comfortable. This is working. And sooner or later, it didn't work. Yeah. Because it was an advertising tactic. It was the strategy was sound, but the tactic didn't change. I didn't update much. Uh, we ran one test where the last one we did was a test where we had um, my, my son was working for me. He'd become an expert at the large format laser printers. And so we'd sell them to people doing T-shirts because they needed a 11 by 17 piece of paper coming out. It was actually vellum that you use in that process, the kind of paper. And he knew about as much about it as somebody writing a silkscreen uh, business. But he, what, he had never done it. We just learned, learned by telling people what we'd learned in the manufacturer's selling. We would... They were worried about whether the used printer would work in such a way. And we knew all about that. So we'd tell them. And so we rewrote the, the sales page with his image at the top, little thumbnail image, because this was the you know, early aughts when we got to doing this, a little thumbnail image. And at one point we had an audio. You could push the button and it would play. Hi, I'm Zach. I'm the graphics arts, uh, something like that. Technology didn't allow what we would do today. But today it'd be a full, full screen video. Anyway, so, and it was just spectacular. 
And so IOK is spending 10 times as much money on it. And the next day, Google made a change and our advertising results fell flat. We didn't lose oh. money, but we didn't make the money we'd made that first, the first couple of days in the test. And by then I'd moved on to other projects and my son was running it. And we just kind of went downhill from there uh, because he found that it was easier to do some things in a different way and just fulfill the order. And the growth stopped. And once the growth stopped, the business was doomed. And it took a while, pulled a lot of money out of it while it was dying, but uh, sooner or later wasn't there. So that'd be my biggest mistake. And that also led to when I did get to the point that I had a lot of money, going ahead and being comfortable that, you know, I moved to Las Vegas, I can do whatever. Oops, Las Vegas has real estate. And guess what happened about 12, 13 years ago? That market went oh, all over the place bad. Credit I couldn't pay and things I was tangled up in. houses for 10% what, yep. what they paid for. Well, yeah, that's exactly what mine went to the bank for because just everything crashed. I wouldn't do that again. I wouldn't, some of the decisions I made about where to borrow money and what to do while I was going through that, because I'd always just been able to work my way out of everything. And when the crash came and now today, you talk to somebody that's been in Vegas for, you know, 15 years since that happened, uh, they're going to tell you a story like that. Now there's plenty of people where they had their little house and just kept making their payments, worked at their fixed income job, did okay. But if you go to something like a networking mixer, you're going to find people have been through all that. Uh, those, you know, and it all all came from me not tending to this idea of you do something when it works. Make sure you keep doing more of that and stop doing the things that that hurt you. We never took on an investor. It was always just me by the seat of my pants. Now, know from being the advisor that you know helping startups. I now know that certainly. When they're running something by the seat of their pants, they've got a big hurdle they've got to go over. It's like a chasm. Uh, there's a marketing chasm where you start doing well and then you expand and then the market doesn't, market dips for a while. Just all new technology does that. That's marketing chasm. There's another kind of chasm that happens. In fact, uh, one guy I interviewed and he says, no matter what you're doing, you're going to reach that point where you're in the chasm and you think you're just going to die. And many businesses just go away at that point. And then in a tech business, you get the ROI comes after you survive that and then get together what you know is good technology that'll sell. Mistake people in technology make is that my tech is so good, I don't have to market it. Well, that's why you see so many people running a 75% off sale on their software. You know, one day only, 75% off. Well, how do you make money doing that? You drop your price by 25%. That means usually you've dropped your profit margin by 50 to 100%. You know, you're getting the cash flow you need, but and you can call that a success, a win for the day, because you, you live to fight the next battle. But if you do that all the time, you're like the furniture store we used to drive by for years uh, that changed the paint and the signs all the time. It was always a furniture store but half the time was going out of business and half the time was having a grand opening. <laughs> and, you know, I, let's just assume that they legitimately took, you know, partners changed, somebody left, somebody gained, they sold the business, whatever. Maybe that business opened and closed. I don't know. It was different businesses. So, you know, if legally it was okay, it still was a mess for what it was being advertised to the world because it's always going out of business. 
And so there's a certain market for that. There's a certain segment of people that are looking for the bargain and you sell to them. You, you know, you have the, you're living on ads on eBay and Craigslist and you can do that. You can do okay. At the same time, when you actually talk to people who have money and that's anybody over about 50K income a year uh, where they have enough money, but the, the price does not affect them as much. as the Price drops to maybe number seven or eight when looking for something. I'm a bargain hunter. You ask me what's important. I'm probably going to say price in there if I'm personally buying but I'm in the minority. I've been a retailer for a long time, learned everything's available wholesale if you make a few calls. Um, and, you know, we're willing to drive an hour to pick it up. You can find a place where, where the local store buys it. Um, and, uh, oh, and maybe we ought to add that to what I sell. But um, if you really go out and, uh, and look at, hey, how do I get wealthy? It, where can I spend some money? How do I have a great life? Well, I have a great life right now in that it doesn't matter whether there's a pandemic or whatever. Anything I really want, I look it up on Amazon and click a button and it's here tomorrow or in a few days. My groceries are delivered. Life is pretty good, right? And, you know, I've got a little bit leftover money in the bank. And so I'm doing okay. I don't need to look and say, is there a way I could get this cheaper? I still do, but it's still an influence for me. But I've learned after that big crash, but I got to a point where it's not about how I can assemble, you know, what can I do to make next month's rent? Where can I give enough value that people are going to want to pay me and then set up the money machine? All right. So you've written a book about Twitter. If you had to, to name your top three social media secrets, what would they be? And maybe you could share a quick story about each of those three secrets about somebody. Okay. That so the biggest tip I can give, is to make sure to be a recognized expert in your field is to be is to pick a niche and be expert in that and then just be yourself and social media is mostly social so all we've been talking about media and roi and all that that's still in there if you really want to get ahead fast you buy advertising uh you know you learn to do it that way then you then it's hands off you can hire somebody to do it you know and you get good at placing ads and make sure you have the right, you know, the right funnel in place. You know, you just turn it on. So when you get to a point that you know you've got something that works, now it's a matter of, do you want to be a recognized thought leader? Do you want to be a guy that answers all the questions on a topic? How do you want to do this? Well, usually a thought leader is the best leverage, but it takes some personal time to do it. So it's not, can I create the right infographic or video or come subscribe to my blog offer or offering your software for 80% off uh, like they do. Uh, instead of doing that, you become a thought leader where people are seeking you out. So, you know, I get invitations to speak on a podcast because I'm a recognized thought leader. Um, and so when I went for the social media thing, I'm a social media expert. I rank. Um, I don't like being called a social media expert, but, you know, I live with it because that's what I rank for. Uh, and, uh, and, you know, I'm doing the same in the blockchain space, blockchain marketing expert or something like that. I'll, I probably will start ranking pretty high, but um, I don't worry about that near as much now. What I do when I'm on social media is, where are those friends, the people I've helped before who've helped me, what can I do to show some love? And I may like all their posts, but eh, like all the posts, you know, 
follow them on the right accounts. Uh, you know, that helps. Uh, I have a very large, I have a very large following. So if you tweet something to me and I answer, that actually helps your ranking without, it doesn't matter what the topic is. It's just the fact that you engage with the, the guy with the blue check mark and, you know, big audience on Twitter. And I do that all the time. If people will write to me, then I talk to them. And if they say, how about a shout out? The answer will probably be, I don't like to shout. Um, <laughs> can we just have a conversation? And that annoys some people uh, who are just thinking that, you know, their life's going to change if they can get me to mention them in a tweet. Well, no, it's going to be a factor. It's going to help. But go ahead and ask me something. You know, if you enjoyed this show, please tweet me. You know, you put my name in any tweet and it'll go, you know, I'll respond and it'll go out to all of our, uh, it actually gets forced to all of our uh, mutual followers. But if I retweet it, then it'll go to all of my followers, depending on what it is and whether it's interesting. But I'm not going to tweet something just because I, I want to do somebody a favor. I go and look at what they have. So let's say you're an influencer. I come to your profile. I scroll down and in the first 20 tweets, I see something that's interesting and I either retweet it or like, or if I don't really like, if I don't really want to share it, then I like it. Um, and I might reply to something and it might be some, you know, dumb comment because, you know, that's my personality. So I'm that, I'm the same person all the time. And boy, that's it. Be authentic. That's probably the number three. Uh, there's one giving you at least three things on this. So when you're authentic, when you're yourself, now I can go and look and I can say, oh, man, this guy with the comment said something brilliant. Let me respond to that. I just add to the conversation wherever I can. And I expect reciprocity. Thank you so much, Warren, for sharing your stories and knowledge with us today. Here are some of my key takeaways from this episode. Number one, the more we give, the more we get. But we should give without the expectation of return. Number two, when something works, we should keep doing that, scale that, and do more of that, and stop doing the things that hurt us. Number three, marketing strategies that offer big deals and discounts can help with our short-term cash flow needs, but they will likely not work and will hurt us in the long term. Number four, to grow our social followings, we must be thought leaders, be authentic, and engage with our following. If you enjoyed this interview, and want to learn more about Warren or connect with him, you can find him on LinkedIn or visit his website at warrenwhitlock.com. And we'll include links to both of those in the blog post of this episode. Did you like today's episode? Then please follow these channels to receive free digital monetization content. Number one, you can get a free monetization assessment of your business or subscribe to the free monetization e-magazine at monetizationnation.com. Number two, you can subscribe to the Monetization Nation podcast or YouTube channel. And number three, please follow Monetization Nation on Instagram and Twitter. How have you seen someone find success through becoming a thought leader on social media? Please join our private Monetization Nation Facebook group and share your insights with other digital monetizers. Thanks for joining me for this episode. I hope you have a fabulous day. Do you want to become a better digital monetizer? To receive great monetization stories and secrets, please go to monetizationnation.com and join free. And if you liked today's episode, please subscribe to the show and share it.